Welcome back to Podcast 49 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at the Ozbreakers. Follow us on social media slash the Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by BetRivers.com for a 100% sign-up bonus up to 250 bucks. Please visit BetRivers. Use the promo code ODDS22. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to help us out and support the Ozbreakers, help yourself out. Please visit theodsbreakers.com, click shop, and become a member and pick any of our premium cappers to get their packages and membership plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit theodsbreakers and become a free picks newsletter subscriber. We have a massive show for you today, my friends, because Chris Felica from ESPN College Game Day and Ralph Michaels from Wager Talk is coming on to discuss some huge college football conference futures and season win totals as well as maybe a few week one plays. So going to be a massive show for you all today. Had to bring some heavyweights in to discuss this college football season preview. Very, very excited for college football and for actually both NFL and college football coming right up here with the preseason running. We are also going to talk to you about, well, I am going to talk about UFC this weekend. We have a great UFC event headlined by Marlon Vera versus Dominic Cruz. Two amazing fighters facing off in the main event. Going to talk a little bit about that at the end. And obviously, if you have any questions for us to cover for NFL preseason or actually even for college football coming up here in a few weeks, please feel free to DM us on Twitter or contact us at theoddsbreakers.com. If you happen to be traveling to Las Vegas or you live in Las Vegas, the end of August, I will be at the Circa on August 26th doing a live podcast there promoting Circa Millions and Circa Survivor. I would love to to see you guys there if you have a chance stop by and say hi it's going to be around the noon hour where we go live from the victory burger upstairs so feel free to say hi and meet some of us we're going to have some of the cappers there at the odds breakers as well as some massive names and some friends of the show so feel free to stop by make sure you check out the circa millions and sign up with footballcontest.com Just in case you live anywhere outside of Nevada, you can use a proxy like Maddie and Tony to get your plays into the Circa, whether you've been playing Survivor or the Circa Millions coming into this year. So make sure you check them out if you want to have some fun this whole season with the big, massive football contest. All right, without further ado, Let's get into our guests and talk some college football with Chris Felica from ESPN and Ralph Michaels from Wager Talk. College football is back, rounding third and on its way home. And that means you need the best of the best 
to discuss some of these conference team previews, win totals, and future plays. I'm very excited to welcome back ESPN's Chris Felica and Wager Talk's Ralph Michaels to talk about this massive 2022 season. You can follow them on Twitter at Chris F-A-L-L-I-C-A and Cal Sports LV. And this episode is being brought to you by Circa Sports, the biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with 12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circus Sports. These contests have two ways to win and no rake. The Circus Sports Million has quarterly payouts and 100% payback. Play Circus Survivor and select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with 12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas, play from anywhere, visit circusports.com. Guys, thank you so much for coming back on the show. How is everyone's summers? Chris, you've been traveling to Europe again. What's up with that? We, we are. I did travel to Europe. I, I had a great three weeks over there between uh, uh, an ice cruise between uh, Israel, Greece, Greek islands, Turkey, Turkish islands, and it was it was fantastic, other than not being able to lay off any of my liability on Liverpool to win the Champions League because I was on a boat in the middle of the Mediterranean, and every website was blocked. So other than that, uh, we were good. And by the way, yes, four entries, by the way, in, uh, in Circus Survivor. To, to give you a little shameless plug off of your circuit promo there. Woohoo! Four entries. Why don't you go to four yeah. six at that point? Come on, man. Yeah, I need some more outs. <laughs> well, for, well, here's the thing. I'm still trying to decide, and I'm sure I'll get yelled at by a lot of people for even thinking this, is you know nearly everybody week one is going to have the Saints against the Falcons. And do I have an opportunity now with four – Again, you never want to throw away two right off the bat. But do you go oppo on the Jaguars and, and Washington and you walk away knowing that you're going to have two entries moving forward with a team that you're probably not going to want to use again? So i got some things to think about before. <laughs> you sure do. That first week always gets people, man. And uh, Survivor is an interesting thing because during Christmas – and during Thanksgiving, you only get like three games those weeks. And that's what makes me want more outs. If I'm playing Circa Survivor, I want to max those out. But anyways, it's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, it, the first week, some people even go with the Thursday game. and they, If they got the money, they rebuy. If they lose that one, you know, kind of give themselves that. Yeah, first if you're break. out there, you can do that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if I don't want to. I don't wanna ever start a Vegas vacation like that, though, man. Just uh, this. Is, that's a <laughs> tough game right there. Uh Rams versus Buffalo and uh, Ralphie, man, got to tell you, I, I I think you're enjoying your summer. I see out east. I might have seen you at a ballpark recently. Yeah, you know, did a drive across country with Brian from Wager Talk and stopped at a few sites and uh, planning doing some mini one or two day junkets. Being in New Jersey is amazing. You know, you're a few hours from eight, maybe nine ballparks. So uh, excited to do that, but. Uh, you know, you think everyone's working on college football. College basketball is right around the corner. I was working on new coaches and where those coaches came from. So um, got to throw in a little college basketball in there as well. Nothing gets by you, Ralph, man. That's why we love you. <laughs> we haven't kicked off college football, the NFL, and, and my man's locked into uh, locked into college. Was, by the way, a little birdie when I was out in uh, in Vegas a couple of weeks ago kind of told me that do not expect – UNLV to be very good this year. So I don't know what the conference win total might be in the Mountain West, but uh, I, I was told that they are not going to be very competitive this year. So take it for what it's worth. In football or basketball? 
in basketball. Okay. Okay. I don't think so in football either. <laughs> we'll see. Um, <laughs> but no, that's that's uh, it's it's amazing. I don't even think the blue book the year the I think it's called the blue book. I buy it every year for college basketball. I don't even think that's out yet, Ralph. So you're even like taking a jump on them. No, that that's of course blue ribbon, a must for blue anyone ribbon. to have. Yeah. Uh, oh. There are fifty nine new head coaches this year in Division One college basketball. So. Uh, quite a bit of turnover this year. That's amazing. And lots of changes coming up even farther with conferences, but that's awesome. Ralph is on it early and that always brings his clients lots of value. Nice work again, Ralph. Well, hey, you know, summer was great for me. Did a little vacation and went out to Northern Wisconsin and the lake home for some nostalgia on my kids. You know how I used to roll going up to the, uh, the quiet country, let's just say, pine trees and fishing and all that fun stuff. I got that on my system, so uh, now I'm all re- recharged to have a great football year. Hopefully, obviously, and uh, I got you wear your Bucky the Badger outfit while you're up there. You know, it, that's like bringing sand to the beach. You know, or just like if you're a rock star, you wear your own concert T-shirt. I was in Wisconsin. I wear in Arizona. I wear plenty of Bucky stuff there, Ralph. So. No, it's pretty worn out. And obviously with my background here, we'll see what we're thinking about Bucky the Badger this year. But before we get into a little college football, uh, got to talk about something else that's very important. And to you guys, I'm sure it's just as important as me, if not more, the food, man. And uh, me and Chris, <laughs> me and Chris text a little bit about it. And uh, you show me some really good recipes, Chris, and I'm excited to hear more this year and i want to ask you guys and we'll just go five four three two one what are your top five top five appetizers or finger foods for watching a college football game uh no buffalo wild wings that's a meal so no i know marco would do that but uh no pizza pizza's a meal but um let's go with just finger foods kind of just snacking around and i'll start right now and i'll start really easy to kick it off i'm just gonna go with ranch dip and ranch dip with the sour cream, you just get a ranch packet mix. It's just so quick and easy to do. And you usually have some carrots laying around, uh, some cucumbers. You can use crackers with it. It's pretty much used for everything almost and can be good with anything. So even though it, it, from a taste perspective, you can probably come up with some better stuff. But I have to use that as my top five just because how economical it is and how easy it is to use. So uh, Ralph, why don't you go next? You know, I'm going to put five as something real salty, either Fritos or potato chips. And I try not to have them in the house because when you're getting nervous on a college football Saturday, typing in all the stats, if they're there, I'm going to eat them. So I'm going to put them at five because I hope not to ever have them in the house. But when you go to the grocery store hungry, somehow it ends up in my cart on occasion. All right. Chris? So I am not allowed to say uh honey gold buffalo wings like that's not an option well yeah, no i can't because it's it, it, that's more of a meal to me now we will next year maybe have meals but uh right now it has to be something that's just a straight up app okay i, I i'm gonna go with queso and chips i mean it, it, it's it's i mean it's hard to really turn away and, and push away a big vat of melted cheese with some pico in there and some fresh jalapenos uh and some nice salty tortilla chips like that's a that's a hard thing to do there there's a uh there's a great food place in uh uh tex-mex place in, in austin called el arroyo and uh 
Clay, who is the, the owner there for a long, long time. Every time we would go to Austin, he just bought like a brought like a vat, like literally a bucket of queso over to our college game day bus, and we would just plop it down right in the <laughs> middle of the floor between Kirk and myself and uh, the other guys on the on, on the bus, and just it would it was just a beautiful thing. So uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd have to I'd have to go I'd have to go queso dipping chips. A vat of cheese to watch a big that It was lovely. It was lovely. <laughs> of course I was wearing half of it, but you gotta be, man. Oh, but geez, that's after a long day of work and uh talking football, that just sounds like it hits the spot, man. That sounds delicious. Yeah, I agree. And that with that goes with a lot of sports too. I'm gonna do the next we'll do two in the next because why not get this thing rolling? I'm gonna go with salami and cheese plate. It's just standard simple always hits the spot you know i'm a big cheese fan chris especially with some of my roots in madison wisconsin behind me love the cheese love salami it goes great together throw some crackers on it very simple and i'm gonna go peanuts with m&ms as number three now i like the peanut m&ms plenty but there's something different about just having the m&ms in a bowl with the peanuts it tastes better for me for some reason i can control my intake of chocolate and intake of nuts on every single uh, grab so you know i can balance it out and kind of do what i want and play around with it and i it's guess it's almost healthy almost and, and i'll even accept trail mix right there too i'll accept trail mix for that so that's my uh, four and three ralph what do you got you know, I'm going to go peanuts slash cashews. And again, I try to keep that on fourth because I try not to have them. And then last year, I tried to get in something semi-healthy, and it was just plain old raisins. I can't remember. I bought, since the last time I bought the little box of red raisin, whatever they're called, son of life or raisins in the little six packs. And I've uh, been chewing on raisins during football games to try to be a little more healthy than chocolate and peanuts. Awesome. Awesome. Chris. Well, I'll, I'll continue the raisin thing and I'm going to go with the uh, yogurt raisins. Like mm -hmm. those, those, those sun-made uh, yogurt, yogurt covered raisins. Again, it almost is healthy because it's not really chocolate, but it's yogurt with, and the sugar from the raisin. So, but, but it gives you a little bit of a sweet tooth satisfaction. And then I'm a bit being the, the, the Italian that I am, I'm not going to go pepperoni. Uh, Soprasada uh, is a is a my favorite like cured meat product. So I I love getting a little uh, a block of, uh, a block a hunk of soprasada or just going to the the Italian market, getting it sliced nice and thin, and just rolling that up. Maybe throw a little a little Parmigiano Reggiano or some good sharp provolone in there as well. Can't, can't go, you can never go wrong with cheese, Kiev. You're absolutely right. <laughs> you know, I love prosciutto, and I love the fact that you can kind of see through it. That nice, really thin. It's got so much salt in it. It's delicious. And that's a great segue into my next one, Chris, from, because my number two is hoagie dip. Hoagie dip is delicious, my man. Salami, some vinegar in there maybe, provolone cheese, lettuce, olive oil, mayonnaise, it's, you know, it just dip some of those hard pieces of bread, those, those like French That's or Italian. More of a meal than a slice of pizza there. I, I, I'm going to veto why we can't use pizza if you're going to use a hoagie dip. Hoagie dip's an appetizer. <laughs> well, it just depends how much you I, I could eat it for a meal, Ralph, I'll tell you that. I would I would have no complaints if someone said, here's your meal, it's hoagie dip with some bread. <laughs> I, can feel my, I can feel my heart stopping beating right now as you're describing hoagie dip with, with olive oil and mayonnaise and chip. 
<laughs> what about you, Ralph? I don't know if you gave us a number three. Do you have three or two left? You know, I got two left. I'll just give you both right now because my number two is popcorn. And my number one is, I would say nachos, but it's more just chips and cheese. I don't want, I don't want any of the sauce in there. I just want the horrible, bad for you, gooey yellow cheese <laughs> at your microwave with some, with some jalapenos and chips. That's it. Chips and cheese, my clear number one, no question. Chris. Yeah, I'll continue, I'll continue the, uh, the cheese theme uh, with, with two of them. And I believe uh, these were the two that I shared with you, Kiev, uh, last year around Thanksgiving. Number one is this cheese melt that I make. It's a combination of Gouda, Brie, and Gruyere that you melt in the oven. And then you, when it, about five minutes before it's done, take it out, you sprinkle some panko on top of it, and you get a nice little crisp top with the with gooey good, goodness of all of those conflicting type cheeses. So that's one. And then the other one is the is the cheese ball. And that's literally what I call it. Uh, it has no real name. It is cream cheese, it is dried beef, and it is scallions. And you just mix it all up. You throw some triscuits in there, some celery or some some carrots, and you talk about salty goodness. Uh, that, that's what the cheese ball is. I love it. And you know what's funny about that cheese ball? I made it and showed you some pictures. Uh, it was delicious. I didn't have the beef bits. I used bacon bits instead. And mm-hmm. that just served it completely fine with the scallions, cream cheese. It was delicious. And you know, I was hoping you are going to say that because I didn't want to steal it from you since you gave it to me. So that, that Gouda one, I got to do by myself. And uh, time caption that, I think it was about 12 minutes and 50 seconds in for everyone. If you need to come back and, uh, and make that delicious recipe Chris just gave you. And I'm going to give you my number one. And I don't disagree with any of these, first of all. These are delicious, Ralph. And there, I, is no wrong, there is no wrong answer. It's food. No, no, there's no wrong answer, but it gets me excited for football games. Taco dip, man. I'm sorry. It's just. It's the the layered taco dip, sour cream in there, bean, uh, a pico de gallo, olives, uh, just, you know, lots of cheese, obviously. It's delicious. I even like the taco dip with the taco seasoning you mix with sour cream. Throw that in there, too, and some uh, tortilla chips. Taco dip is just hits the spot for some reason on any football Sunday or Saturday. And uh, I have to say that's my number one, my man. But um, I do the runners up. I would say is popcorn. I I, ha, I almost did popcorn, uh, deviled eggs, uh, dill dip, and I wrote smoky bacon wraps. Those are those are my run, runner ups for anybody preparing a fun full of Saturday football coming up. Well, great stuff, guys. Thanks for doing that a little exercise with us. One question before we get into the big plays, or at least the big conference previews. How has the transfer portal changed the way that you handicap the preseason? I'll start with you, Ralph. Oh, how about 100%? You know, so many people looked at returning starters, and to me, returning starters is obviously a factor now, but, you know, it's just probably 30% of what the factor is. So it's, you know, for those that need somewhere to go and at least quantify who the who the starters are. I think you have to go to 247sports.com. I have no affiliation with them. But when you look at their team ranks for recruiting, they also have a team ranks for their transfers. So it gives you a good idea of why USC is number 46 in recruiting when they should be recruiting a lot better. Well, when you look that they use 12 of those spots to bring transfers in, including 
couple starters from his Oklahoma team, you realize that when you put those two together, they have a top 15 class overall. So I think 247 Sports is the one place you must go to quantify the difference between using a recruiting ranking, using a transfer rating, and now they actually combine the both, a great usage of numerical values. And thank you, 247sports.com, for doing that. I agree 100%, and 247 does a great job. I always use them for my recruiting rankings, and just looking at these transfers, looking at the articles, looking at the biggest impact players are huge for me. Chris, how does it change for you? Yeah, I think you probably get, I I can speak for myself, obviously, a a later start because of the portal and because of the the deadlines and how late people are transferring in and transferring out and how, in addition to that, you're getting some coaching changes later and later so you're really not getting a full view of the team as as early as you have in the past when you take like usc for example over overhaul the entire coaching staff when you bring in your overall your entire offense with the quarterback running back and wide receiver so it really changes the perception and the outlook on certain teams and even really you still even you really i think it brings even even a greater sense of uncertainty because you really don't know ultimately how all these changes are going to pan out. Yeah. I, I, I wrote, I actually did mine a little later this year and I know some win totals came out earlier, just like they always do seem, seem to do every single year bets come out earlier. You could have bet the national championship game during the game. <laughs> like Brad powers, <laughs> Brad powers did that. <laughs> and uh, It was funny about, uh, the transfer portal is that it makes some teams in returning production not nearly as important. You know, I used to really, really factor that in for a lot of the teams, especially, you know, it, when it comes to the better conferences. Look at LSU, you know. I mean, they're really built on it. Like you said, Ole Miss, right? Um, these teams with the transfer portal has gave them a completely different outlook to the season, you know, and uh, that's a great place to go, Ralph, uh, 24-7 to rank those transfers, man. You know, let, me, let me just give you an example. I did a, a preseason start chart for every team and how many starts they had at this school and how many career starts they have. These are projected starters for USC this year. Williams, a quarterback, seven starts at Oklahoma last year. Diet, running back, 19 starts at Oregon. Addison, wide receiver, All-American, 13 starts at Pittsburgh. Wide receiver Williams, one start at Oklahoma. Then you look on the defense. They have uh, three more starters. Linebacker Lee, 13 starts at Bama. Williams, uh, McCutcheon was a quarterback, one start at Oklahoma. Blackman, a quarterback, 16 starts at Colorado. And Shaw, 12 starts at Ohio State. Those are the players that did not play on USC that have career starts for other teams that are expected to start for USC this year. And where can we find that info? Uh, you know what? I'm going to post it at Wager Talk. It's not available. I believe I shot you an email with it a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And please pass it on to Chris as well. Absolutely. Will do and will forward that. Great stuff. Let's get into this season win totals and futures per conference, Chris. And I think I might have a play on every conference. We'll see here. But we'll start with the American Athletic Conference. And actually... Actually, I, now that I say that, this is the only conference I don't have a play in. So, uh, why don't you, Ralph, Ralph? Why don't you start with the American Athletic Conference? I, I just, I, I look at Houston and I look at Cincinnati, and I still think Cincinnati should be favored. But I, 
I just agree with kind of the setup there and the, the season win totals kind of were on for me. What were your thoughts? You know, it's funny. I went into the season wanting to fade Cincinnati, obviously going through the changes, losing your quarterback, but I'm a big offensive line guy. And when you look at Cincinnati's offensive line, they returned three first team all conference starters and the other two offensive linemen each have 20 career starts at Cincinnati. Obviously you have an Eastern Michigan quarterback. So I think they clearly deserve to be the favorite. I think they're a step ahead of Houston. But where I find the value in the AAC, the top three teams as far as returning experience are USF, EC, and Tulane. And I am on the Pirates this year. Mike Houston's in your fourth year. Yes, he has a new OC and DC this year. But you look at what East Carolina did last season. They went five and three, but they were plus 106 yards in conference game. And for all new handicappers out here, it's very important when you're looking at conference comparisons, make sure you're using conference-only stats. I'll, I'll, I'll give a site out again. I have, I have um, no connection to this, but CFB stats is by far the best place for college football stats for me. You click conference-only, you do a quick um, addition in an Excel, and you can get the yards per game diff. So the number one team in the AAC was Cincinnati, at plus 131 yards per game in conference action. East Carolina was number two at plus 107 yards per game. That gives us value from their 5-3 and three record. Returning 15 starters, bringing a couple transfers, fourth year of the system, and Mike Houston has now changed what I, what I think is the mentality there. And when I look at their schedule, they're over under 6.5 this year. These numbers are from FanDuel yesterday. And of those games, they are scheduled by six, they are favored by six or more points in six games, and they are a toss-up in three games. So when you're a favorite of almost a touchdown in six games and the total's only six and a half, to me, by far my best bet for a conference win total. Wow, great stuff. And they had a pretty tough non-conference last year. Appalachian State's a good team, South Carolina. You know, I think that you're onto something there. And I love CFB stats, man. I've been using this since the Stone Age. So I agree with you. When I, that's a great site to use. Love how it breaks down. But wow, favored in six games by six points or more. And they're it's six and a half right now, plus 120 to the over. You found maybe a diamond in the rough here. I'm going to look more into this one. Chris. I, I, yeah, to, to, to follow up on what uh, Ralph was saying, I mean, ECU is a team that in recent years I backed quite a bit in the role of big big underdog. And you look at some of their losses last year at South Carolina, UCF, uh, Houston, all close losses. They very easily could have won in Alt-Mailers coming back. And this was a team that had their bowl game canceled, and they were really excited about getting to play in a bowl game. So uh, that, that opening week game against NC State, it's a very dangerous game for the Wolfpack. Going to an experienced team, ECU gets an in-state team at home in Greenville. I'm going to wait and see what that line does because I think with the, the hype and expectation uh, that people have for the Wolfpack this year, that number might hit uh, 13 or so. So I'm going to wait, and I could see myself taking the Pirates uh, week one uh, against NC State. But the two things that I played uh, in the American, the thing that I liked the most is I was able to get uh, South Florida under four and a half. I'm not sure four and a half is still out there anymore. Uh, I know someone sent me that they were able to get four. Uh, so, so, so check around. Look, this is a, this is a bad team. Uh, w when you're a bad team in, in, in a conference, 
<clears throat> and your non-conference schedule is BYU, Florida, and Louisville, uh, you basically have no shot. I mean, you'll other than Howard, there isn't a game on that schedule that I can say I expect them to win. You've got to go to Cincinnati. You've got to go to Houston. The only team in the league you beat last year was Temple, and now you have to go there. You still have SMU and UCF and, and, and ECU at home. Like, I, I don't know where five wins are coming. Uh, I know they brought in Bohannon, the, the Baylor transfer quarterback, to help improve their offense. But defensively, they were so bad and so non-competitive. You, you keep reading about how Jeff Scott thinks he has uh, a group finally uh, that, that's ready to compete. Boy, I sure as hell hope so because the, the way the way that schedule breaks down, it looks like a one and five start at the very least, and probably a max of uh, of, of three wins. So I'm under four and a half on USF, and I actually took a shot on Houston to win ten games and Houston to win uh, the AAC. I think their defensive line is really really good. I, I think I think Tune is uh, in the conversation for best court, uh, quarterback in the conference. Uh, I think this is a team that, yeah, under Dana Holgerson, that he, again, I think he's a guy who has brought in some some players to really create a uh, an exciting style of football. And outside of Cincinnati, I think they are the most likely winner in the American. So I took a chance on uh, Houston to win ten games at a nice plus number, and uh, and the Cougars to win the uh, the AAC. So DraftKings has South Florida four and a half, but it's minus one thirty-five. I like that. Fine. <clears throat> I don't have Fine. a problem with that at all. Um, Houston plus two fifty. Uh, yeah, and, and Cincinnati is plus one ninety. They're telling you that these are the two teams. Maybe they do take a step back, and it's just going to depend on Cincinnati's new quarterback coming in. And I think it was a four-star quarterback. Uh, so I, uh, I, you know, I, I think the numbers are pretty close for me. But no, I I don't disagree with any of that. Let's move on to the ACC. Yeah, let, let me just jump in one thing as you yeah. were mentioning that win total for new betters here. A half a win in a college football season win total massive is about forty five cents. So if you have two and you're comparing them, obviously most people if they're betting the under want to have that hook in there and will happy to pay the extra juice. But if you're comparing two win totals and you're looking where the value is. Again, forty-five cents to maybe fifty cents is about the value of a half win for those totals. It is, I agree. And uh, there's less games in college and the than the NFL. Keep that in mind. These half games are massive, so you know, try to shop around is what we always try to say to get the best lines possible. Let's move on to the ACC in Chris's conference. Right? Isn't this the the Miami Hurricanes winning it all, Chris? Uh, wait, oh what, what yeah. Do you think? yeah, yeah. In 1991, yes, this is the uh, <laughs> ACC champion Miami Hurricanes. Now, they're, they're, they're a year away. I think that the, the best thing that Miami has going now is, number one, they have their quarterback, at least for the year. We'll see if he stays or comes out with the type of year that he could have. But you've got your head coach. You've built a great staff. Uh, and, and you have an athletic director now who has offered a ton uh, of optimism and has a past track record of success in what he built at Clemson. He's a South Florida guy. So I think Dan Radakovich being the AD now, like they, they, everyone is on the same page in Coral Gables. So I really don't have a play on the uh, on the Hurricanes this year uh, in terms of the win totals. There, there were a couple of things that I played here. I played Louisville over five and a half. But that number is long gone, and I probably wouldn't play it at six and a half. I think that's too big of a uh, – 
of a move. Um, it's hard to make a case for anything with Wake Forest right now, given the Harvey situation. But 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 I think I took a shot with two two th- two teams in the uh, in in the coastal. Uh, I played North Carolina to win the ACC. I took them at twenty to one, and I think last year I can't remember if we discussed it or not. We kind of. Uh, at least I had a feeling Clemson was a little bit vulnerable coming off of the, the Trevor year and losing so many guys. I just landed on the wrong team. North Carolina has played, has recruited really, really well over the last few years. Uh, they were garbage on both sides of the ball up front on the offensive line and defensive line last year. Couldn't protect Hal, couldn't rush the passer, couldn't tackle. I would think with Gene Chiswick coming in now, that should get better. And I, and I think the way the ACC schedule shakes down for them, you don't you don't get Clemson in the regular season. Uh, there's a really good chance they could find themselves in the ACC championship game. And uh, if you're holding twenty to one on them, you're you're in a really nice position to be able to do something. So I think that coastal is wide open. Uh, I think UNC is a is a is a play there. And then Georgia Tech is the other team. I took under three and a half uh, at plus money. As the season win total, I'm probably going to take under two uh, ECC conference win total uh, as well. Like this is a schedule that is made to get your head coach fired. Your non-conference schedule is Ole Miss, UCF, and Georgia. You also have Clemson. You also have to go to North Carolina, and you've got to go to Pitt. Like you, you look at the and you go to Florida State as well, and Virginia Tech, who are more talented than you. Outside of the the Western Carolina and the Duke game, like I don't know where the wins are. Like like under three and a half, a plus money looks really really good for the uh, for, for the for the Jackets and two under two as a season win total and the conference wins only on. I don't see three wins. Like it was funny. I was talking with Stanford C before and we could also make a case for Duke play under a half in the, in terms of a conference win total. Like you lay 160 on under a half and you look at Duke's schedule. I mean, Duke schedule, like the Georgia Tech game is like the only game that maybe they have a chance to win and they're going to be like a, an 11 point underdog. So take Duke minus 160 under a half, and maybe you fool around a little bit and take a double-digit dog uh, against Georgia Tech. Like potentially that could be the only win. So there are a couple of things that I think to play around with uh, involving the ACC Coastal there. Take Duke and Georgia Tech under, playing each other. Still both can happen. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Thread that needle. <clears throat> Funny, um, you know, you you uh, did a humble brag about that. Uh, 6.5 on Louisville uh or 5.5 to 6.5 yeah. on Louisville. And that's that's completely acceptable on this show because it shows people that when we bet we are betting as early as possible we are doing our analysis as early as possible so please say that i've actually written down wrote down the ones i bet and i'll tell you what the lines are now i think that's the fair way to do it and right. um, I am completely for that because people need to learn to do this stuff early. There is no value or much less value right before the season. And yeah. this was uh, just just for yeah June 30th at uh, at FanDuel rather over five and a half minus 140. Yeah, that, that's when I so, so we're looking what six weeks ago is when I when I made this bet. Now I have an opportunity that it's gone up to six and a half in a lot of spots. Do I want to fool around and try and thread the needle and get that middle on six? Which, if you look at Louisville's schedule, 
seems like a very likely result, which is why I would not play over six and a half. Yeah, maybe you always buy back for half and see if you can mill that sucker, too. Exactly right. Very great opportunity there. You know, uh, ACC, Ralphie, what are you thinking here? Well, you know, I'm going to double up on what Chris said. And I just want to mention, I'm not here to hype stuff that I have for free at Wager Talk, but I do a college football schedule guide. So you have every schedule, you have my power rating numbers, you have my home edges, and it's color-coded so you can easily see. It gives you the, the projected wins as well. Looking at that guide for Georgia Tech, as Chris mentioned, I am on under three and a half as well. I have them as a projected 35-point favorite against Western Carolina and a two-touchdown favorite against Duke. And then a pick'em game at home against Virginia, at least within the twos. That's it. Every other game, uh, they're going to be double digits with the exception of Virginia Tech. So completely agree with the three and a half. I think this team is ready to get blown up again. And my go-to team, and I'm really not a fan of having a go-to team that has a lot of hype, but I am a true believer in this NC State team. I bet them to win the national championship. I bet them to win the ACC. I bet them uh, plus 800 at the conference. I bet them over eight and a half three times. When I look at the NC State schedule, they are going to be a favorite in every game with the exception of going to Clemson on October the 1st. They're going to be a four-point favorite in 11 of the games, and I'm laying a number of uh, I'm laying a number of eight and a half. So there's two teams I've been completely on among all other teams. It's Marshall, which we'll talk about, which I bet twice, but that line's already moved a point in the win total. And NC State, by far, my number two team as far as I think there's value. I have them as a favorite of eight or more in nine games. So to me, clearly value at eight and a half, incredible value. And I am going to take a shot that perhaps they could pull that upset in Clemson and win the conference. That is amazing, um, and I really hope you're right because I have a ticket on something that we're saving for last that might mirror some of the stuff that you said, Ralph, on NC State. I took NC State over eight and a half wins at minus one thirty. Um, it's at minus one fifty now. I still think there's plenty of value. I agree with you. They're going to be favored in most of their games. I thought it would be ten, but maybe it is eleven. Um, the the go to Clemson is what sucks. But they avoid Miami and they avoid Pittsburgh. Um, they get Boston College, Florida State, and Wake Forest at home. And how many of us was at the kiosks or the computer screens this morning at about 5.45, 6 a.m. seeing what we can, <laughs> see what we can get down on that poor Sam Hartman news? I was able to find a skin or two that was able to oblige. But that's, I uh, am deciding right now in my summer ratings. <laughs> Uh, I moved Wake Forest down five points without Hartman, and I may go to six, six and a half points. That's how important he is as far as that as far as that team's concerned. Yeah, I got to get back to work on that later today too, because when I move someone down, that means I got to slightly adjust some others up. But um, I'll be working on that. And um, yeah, that Hartman thing was just some terrible news for them. But I have the NC State to win the ACC at plus 1,100. I know if Clemson gets them at home, they're going to have to get an extra game over Clemson. Um, I think that's very... They nearly, they nearly beat them there a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, and they uh, won't beat them last year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I got a plus 1,100. It's now plus 800 on the DraftKings. 
I I'm just GJ Uigalele. I'm 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 not high on him, and I'm sick of saying his name. He's got to go, man. I'm sick of saying that name. It's too, <laughs> it's too hard. But uh, Clemson lost, you know, Brett. The Uigalele. They lost Venables. Uh, Sweeney can be a little overwhelming. If it works, he's a great coach. But if he's got a bad team, it, he could lose a team or just some bad luck, you know, just with the way he coached that hard nose style. So there's a chance they could fall. And to, and Chris, I'll do it for you. I took Miami plus 700 to win it too. And I'm I'm just hoping for that miracle Miami versus NC State ACC championship game because I'll be sitting pretty <laughs> if that happens. But, you know. I'll if, get you I'll get you tickets if that happens. Yeah, what? I'll buy, I'll buy you. T- I won't pay for your, for your airfare, but I'll get you tickets. I will remember that. Maybe you should go with me if you're not already working. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, can we get, get college game day at the side of the ACC championship? But I'd be, I'd be all for that. Okay, it's interesting because you, you mentioned you mentioned Clemson, and I don't know what way it's going to go. I would think as as bad as things were last year for Clemson as bad of a passing game as they had, which is worse than you actually think it was. If you look at like the yards per dropback, it was going from 8.1 to 8 to like 5.5 last year. DJ was terrible. But as bad as it was, they still won 10 games, and their three losses were to the team that would eventually win the national championship by a, on a non-offensive touchdown. You lost in overtime to NC State, and you lost to the team that wound up winning the ACC pick. Like, they were that close to like getting back again, despite having a horrific offense by their standards. And I think you mentioned Dabo, Dabo Sweeney with a bit of a red ass per se, some motivation, you know, Dabo is sitting there just waiting to say, I told you so at the end of the year, Oh, Tony Elliott gone. Coordinators gone. Brent Venables gone. That's an FDG. I guess old Dabo Sweeney can't coach after all. Like he is dying to be able to say, I told you so at the end of the year. So while I ultimately don't know what way it's going to go for Clemson, I wouldn't be surprised if Clemson puts it all together this year, led by that defense and, and has a better year than uh, a lot of people might think that they have. I wouldn't be surprised. You guys mentioned the coordinators. Chris, can you name the last time that a, that a power five, team lost both coordinators to power five programs i mean uh, again that's got to be worth a point or two at least early in the season now yes they promoted from within on the oc but you know that's that's taking everyone up a notch so there has to be an effect at least the first game or two during this during the and and during these practices i got all the faith in Dabo, and maybe brad venables isn't a good coach i made a point to somebody about my oklahoma ticket under that we're going to be hinting on here um i just think that sometimes the coordinators get too much praise and it is the head coach. So it's just, it just depends upon what it was, but what I'm looking at is plus 1100. I'm not looking at plus 300. I'm not looking at plus 400. I'm looking at a massive number here. And this is the situation that you're looking for when you, when you're hunting for these big numbers and um, Miami uh, over eight and a half. I got at plus 100. It's minus 130. The culture with Mario Cristobal down there, they avoid NC state uh, Wake and Clemson, so there you go. It's going to be decided in Pittsburgh, probably if they're going to make the ACC. It's at home against Pittsburgh. Sorry, at the end of the year, um, if they're going to be in the ACC championship. But I love the fact that they're at home. So um, it, I'm excited for Miami, and uh, I'm sure uh, Chris is cautiously optimistic. But yeah, I, I have a question. Someone asked me on Twitter, so I just want to share because I'm sure there's a lot of new viewers that have the same question. 
when we're betting season win totals over under, you know, I'm betting the same unit on each. When I'm betting 10 to 1 dogs to win the ACC or the national championship, I'm not betting that same unit as I no. am win total. So, so people realize just because we're saying best bets, they do not mean they're equal for the same amount. When we're betting it's like 10 a, to 1 it's dogs, like a, it's like a quarter unit or a third of a unit or something. Over under on a game. Yeah, yeah, half unit stuff here on a lot of this for me. Great question. Big 10 country. Let's move into it, Ralph. I'm going to start with you, and you're going to tell us on how you have Wisconsin to meet NC State in the national championship game. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to say this. How the heck can you say over 10.5 at minus 250 has value? Well, you know, I want to point out to people, how do you figure what value is when you have a minus 250 like Ohio State laying with an over-under of 10.5. Again, another question I got on Twitter, so I'm going to take one second just to give people to quantify what the percentages have to be. If you have a minus 250, always multiply it by 10, so you're minus 2,500. How many $100 bets does it take you to win that back? 25 $100 bets. So you have to go 25 and 10, divide that out, and that's the percentage that you need to have in your mind if there's value laying 250. I did not bet Ohio State, but if someone asked me, I was close to it if I had jumped on it earlier because they are going to be favored. Their average line this year is minus 24 points per game. They are favored by 11 or more in every game this year. They are not going to lose two games with this Knowles defense as double-digit favor. Okay. okay. Can, 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 I, can, I, can I jump in? I, I want to say one thing for, first. You said it's 45 cents a half point. Obviously, this would bring it up to 12 and a half games at minus 250, right? Um, but what people have to realize is that when it comes to the extremes, like the, the low one, two, or three, or the high 10, 11, 12, it all changes. And then you have to look at it more by a game-by-game -game basis because um, the half points are 45 cents, yes. But it, at the very end, if a, if a team's just going to beat everybody, they're going to beat everybody. That's what I want people to realize from that. Go ahead, Ralph. No, I, I, I was going to say what, what what Ralph was alluding to, like betting Ohio State minus two fifty or whatever it is to win the Big Ten. I bet them to win the Big Ten already, and because I don't see them dropping multiple conference games, I, I think offensively they are light years ahead of everybody else in that league. Defensively, they'll be better with Knowles, and if I think they're going to reach the Big Ten championship game. They're going to be a heck of a lot bigger than minus 250 on the money line against whoever comes out of the Big Ten West. So it's actually a better price on Ohio State now to win the Big Ten that one than what you're going to get the week of the game. So I bought the Buckeyes minus 250 to win the big to win the Big Ten. Yeah, I agree with I agree with what you said there 100. percent I am on the Buckeyes for a later play, and we'll 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 talk a little bit about that later. But as far as the Big Ten, and you know I love the Big Ten, being a Badger fan, I think the West is a total mess. I look at all their schedules. They all beat each other up at the top at the last four games, Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin. They all play each other at the end. And it's usually two of them, two away, two home. Most of them are getting Ohio State, maybe not Minnesota. Um, I, I, I just think that the win totals on these top West teams around eight is correct. 
I am not as high on Wisconsin because of what I saw from Graham Mertz the last two years. He had the yips or something, and when when you shouldn't that, be high on. Yeah, it, it sucks because I was after you know that first year, but you know he, he there's just something wrong. I'm hearing good things in camp. Bobby Ingram's the new uh, offensive coordinator there. And that's great because Rudolph, whew, want to hit him out out of there as fast as po- <laughs> fast as possible. Offensive line, what are you doing, Chris? Uh, and and Chris, where would he wind up? Georgia Tech is that where he wound up? <laughs> Georgia Tech's offensive line coach now. Yeah, I think he bet the win total under there as well. So um, <laughs> basically, I, I just I just took two teams to win the West. I, I took Nebraska at plus three eighty for a half star. I think he Scott Frost feels like the Jim Harbaugh coming into this year. Now that he's got Mark Whipple over there, this could completely change it. And they don't have that turnover crazy. Uh, what was it, Rodriguez, the quarterback? Adrian Martinez. Martinez. Adrian Martinez. Adrian Martinez. Turnover where he was always blowing the game at the end, and you can blame Scott Frost for some of that. And then one year, the field goal kicker. It's just Mark Whipple is the reason, in my opinion, that Kenny Pickett looks so great at Pittsburgh. And and now he just did like a horizontal move to Nebraska. You got to remember that Nebraska is the best recruiting uh, West team. They are the best recruiting team out West. So um, seeing them as a better number than Wisconsin after Wisconsin lost their top three pass catchers and Ferguson, right? Their tight end, big, their big tight end Ferguson was massive. Davis, you know, mm-hmm. um, the running backs could be a little bit messy, I just I just think that Nebraska's got plenty of a good chance to win. And I even took a small shot at Purdue at plus 550. And that's one of the lines that actually moved away from me. It's plus 600 for a small, you know, like half unit or so to win the Big Ten West here. And what I like about Purdue is their schedule. I mean, their defense wasn't much good last year, but they shocked a lot of teams. Aiden O'Connell is back. And they avoid the Ohio State and Michigan. So that's two losses from the East that these other teams are going to incur from the Ohio States and the Michigans that could boost them into the national championship or sorry, the big 10 championship game and, and cash that plus five fifty for us. So um, I like, I like those two numbers guys. Any uh, thoughts on that Ralph? Yeah. You know, I, I bet the only, the only bet I made is I was a little late to the party, like I said, with Ohio state, but if there was one way to bet it, it would clearly be the over. Um, but I'm buying into Minnesota. You know, I, you look, you look at, uh, you know, you look at the QB play, and Morgan has 39 career starts. That's number one in college football for a returning quarterback. So that experience, and I'm going to buy in to row the boat. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll be very honest. It was with great hesitation that I made that because when your toughest games are all on the road, they go to Michigan State as a dog. They go to Penn State as a dog. They go to Nebraska, which I have them as a dog. And they go to Wisconsin as a dog. You know, that's eight That's eight games right there. So, you know, they're going to have to pull one of those. I have them a favorite in all the rest. So I do expect they'll get one. My weakest conference by far, a lean on Minnesota over. And they can't lose to Bowling Green again. So we'll just uh, throw that out there. <laughs> Let's move on to the Big Twelve, so we can keep on. Actually, can I, I have I have one. I have okay one other uh, Big Ten play that I that I did make, and again, I made this bet. Actually, went back and looked uh, the same day as I played Louisville uh, over five and a half. I played Indiana under four and a half uh, minus one thirty five. I don't know what Indiana's number is now. I'm sure if anything, uh, it's now four. Like they have a ton of problems. I don't know again who who you're beating. Um, 
you got got Idaho as a non-conference game. You've got Western Kentucky, who's going to put up a ton of points. Uh, you got at Cincinnati as a as, as a non-conference game, and you're in the Big Ten East. Like I, I just don't know how you're winning five games when you have automatic losses built in with with, with Michigan, Ohio State, probably Penn State, and and maybe even at Michigan State. So I I, I don't see it with Indiana. They were they were the classic. 2020 team who had a magical year, won a bunch of games that they shouldn't really have won the Penn State call and some other comebacks and Tom Allen with the rah-rah locker room speech and the family. And it was a great story, but they kind of got a little overhyped last year and won three games, completely <laughs> fell flat on their face. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, and I don't see how they get to five wins this year. So, uh, I, I I got under four and a half at minus one thirty five, and if you can find four and a half, uh, by all means, I would run out and bet that. Find four and a half, God bless you. I I don't disagree. That year they were outgained in a ton of their games, and uh, want and just won. You know, it was one of those Pythagorean type situations where you're like, Jesus, mm-hmm. the team is way overrated. Let's move on to the Big Twelve then, and I'll get started here. Oklahoma, I already hinted on taking the under nine and a half. It's now up to minus one twenty five little line value there took this as a larger play for a, a one and a half stars i think that just they lost all that production and they're going to get some back with brett venables but i don't know what brett venables is maybe maybe you're right and it's Dabo sweeney that had more influence on that defense even though we saw brett venables screaming all the time as well um I'm just not that high on Dylan Gabriel. I mean, he was okay to me at UCF. I thought Mackenzie Milton was better. You know, I'm just, I'm not that high on him. And they have some tough games at Nebraska, at TCU, at Iowa State. And don't forget about Oklahoma State and Baylor. The Big 12 is a mess right now. My number is 8.2 wins with the Big 12, so I took that. And this was the play that I, I think that I liked the most, maybe out of them all, and Yes, this number moved, but I took Kansas over two and a half wins, believe it or not, guys. This is the first time in my freaking life I probably bet Kansas over anything. But you got to understand that they have a real coach now, and it's Lance Leopold. And Chris and I know quite well we were on him his second year at Buffalo, and we took him all the way to the national. Oh, that title game. 20 to 1 or whatever it was. We hedged, though. I mean, so yeah, that that was the important thing. We hedged, and uh, it gave us the opportunity to make five to 10 units, you know, when you're in that situation. So they're they're two and a half, and it's plus, it was plus 120. It's now minus 135. So there's 55 cents, but I still like it because this team beat Texas last year. They gave Oklahoma a run for their money, and I see the the wins versus Tennessee Tech and Duke for sure. All right. Tennessee Tech and Duke. they need one more win to go over that. Other possibilities. Iowa State could have a flat spot there uh, over there. TCU could have a flat spot. Oklahoma State, they're at West Virginia. They get Texas at home. And Kansas State at the end, which is the rival. I, I just, there's also, the, obviously, the o- Oklahomas and the Baylors. Uh, who knows? But how do you not bet on Lance Leopold here um, after what he did in Buffalo? But also, with this conference under such turmoil, with Oklahoma and Texas leaving, They return all their guys, and you're not getting a ton. Minus Oklahoma, you're not getting a ton of transfers in to the other schools because you know people are kind of vacating the Big Twelve. And I just think this also gave me a reason to take Kansas at a massive shot to win the Big Twelve with beer money at plus four forty thousand four hundred to one. 
and now it's down to, tw- to 20, 250 to one. So little value there, obviously, by 150 spots. Or you can use beer money, whatever you want. I think I threw a half unit on there. But if there's any year that a 400 to one could make it, it would be in a conference when it's turmoil and you have a great coach coming. <laughs> that might not lose, but I put way more on the Kansas over two and a half at the plus 120. So that's the way I'm playing this. Chris, what are your thoughts? I agree with you on Oklahoma. I think we've had some conversations on text about that. And uh, you look at Oklahoma last year, even with um, Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley, no team in the country won more games by seven points or fewer than, than the Sooners. So are they going to get that type of positive close game luck again with a team that loses its head coach, loses its quarterback, loses almost all of its offensive playmakers, loses everybody on defense in a league that, look, I didn't play any other win totals in this league because I think all these teams, I think if you take, if you throw Baylor, Iowa State, K-State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas in a hat, and tell me any of those two teams made the Big 12 championship game, I wouldn't be surprised. So I did play Oklahoma under 9.5 minus 110 as the only win total I played. And then I found uh, at, at, at FanDuel, Oklahoma over 8.5 uh, with a little bit of juice. So I bought – I made a pretty big play on the under 9.5. So I bought a little bit back on over 8.5 thinking maybe 9 is a, is a logical spot for Oklahoma with all of those games uh, in, in the Big 12 that maybe they lose a few this year. So uh, I agree with you there. I did, because I just said about how you throw all these teams in a hat and nothing would surprise me, I did play two teams to win the big to win the conference. I played TCU at 16-1 to one because I, I think offensively with Dykes coming in, uh, with the quarterbacks he's going to have to work with, with putting Johnson at wide receiver, I don't think the loss of Zach Evans at running back is as big as a lot of people or making it out to be because he didn't play a good chunk of last year. Uh, I, I think this was a program that kind of needed a reset button. They got guys, but I think maybe they, I love Gary Patterson, might've gotten a little, a little stale amongst the players and the players might not have been getting the message. So I think it's good. And now look, uh, Sonny's going to wear his defense out and, and, and put them in a position where they're going to have to be on the field, probably a lot longer than they want to be. But, but I think TCU has the ability to make, a big improvement this year. So I took them and I know you're going to laugh at the next team that I said, but it was Iowa state. Iowa state was 20 to one to win, to win the big 12. And I think again, like it might be a good thing that Brock Purdy has moved on because he had a propensity last year and maybe even prior to last year, to kind of turn the ball over quite a bit in some of their bigger games. And it was the mo- highest expectation level that the program has ever had in Ames and they had had a, that close game against Iowa at home, and then they started turning the ball over again, and it just went downhill from there. But despite that, defense was top 10, top 12 in a ton of metrics. Will McDonald's back. You had four losses in the Big 12. All were by a touchdown or fewer. You outgained Baylor by like 200 yards and lost, the team that wound up winning the league. You outgained Oklahoma and lost in a, in a one-score game. Like, in these types of years – I think Matt Campbell, his message, the way he coaches, the type of players that he has, I think you're more likely to get a surprise effort from Iowa State. And they've beaten Oklahoma and Texas and the bigger Oklahoma, the bigger boys in the in the Big 12 in years where they weren't necessarily thought to have the best team. So 
if I said that I thought the Big 12 was a crapshoot, I certainly wanted to put my money where my mouth was with a couple of longer prices to win the league. Well, why would I laugh? I took Kansas. Are you kidding me? I have no business <laughs> laughing at you right there. Uh, Ralph, anything in the Big 12? Well, you know, with your Kansas bet, Kiev, I, I now realize that, you know, marijuana is legal in Arizona. So I, I understand perhaps you partook a little bit. Uh, just FYI, I have Kansas as a double digit dog in every game, but those two wins. So, you know, maybe you get one against TCU or West Virginia. I only made one bet. Uh, I pretty much stayed away from this conference, but I think it's a strong bet. And it's West Virginia under the total. I mean, the, the number's five and a half. When I look at my numbers that I that I have in West Virginia, I have them favored in two games, Kansas and Towson. And, you know, you never know what's going to happen with Kansas. You know, that's the second game of the year, and that's West Virginia after playing the backyard brawl against Pittsburgh. So they go to Pittsburgh for a big old-time rivalry that's renewed, and then are you looking past Kansas? Besides that, I have them basically pick them against TCU, pick them against Kansas State. To me, top play, only one play in a conference, West Virginia under five and a half. Well, Ralph, I'll tell you this. If Kansas goes over two and a half, I'll go to the store and get you the, some of those edibles, and I'll bring them up to Vegas, <laughs> and uh, I want to see you eat a couple of those you know, you, no while you eat your words. <laughs> Marijuana brownies from the, from the edible store. <laughs> Dude, there's a store in like almost every corner now. <laughs> kind of crazy down here all right well you know chris got to leave at like 25 after so let's get bounced here i conference usually i'm gonna say is i took uab before bill clark left and i had massive line value but now it moved back a bit but i, it's, I still have a slight line value you have uab over 8.5 wins plus 140 it's still plus 105 i still think they do it and uh i am to win the conference at plus 250 it's now plus 230 um i put a star on that you know, uh, Bill Clark, even though he's gone, he has some back issues. I, you always scratch your head and wonder if something else happened. But Brian Vincent took over the duties, so there's consistency. Um, the offense coordinator there. And you got to remember, Marshall's gone from this conference. Now, UAB does get UTSA at home. And we all loved UTSA last year, but now they lose a lot of defense. And uh, I still think they're going to have a great offense, probably bet some overs with UTSA. But, uh, you know, Bill, I just think UAB is the foundation of the Conference USA now. And uh, they return eight starters on defense their quarterback dylan hopkins and four offensive linemen so that's all i have ralph what do you got uh nothing i made no wagers in this the only lean i'll give you is uh i do like this western kentucky team they do have to go to utsa to get uab at home but i made no wagers so i'll throw it to chris uh i made no wagers in conference usa as well the only thing that i considered making was middle tennessee under uh, that's the only thing I've thought about. But yeah, I, I don't have a great feel for this league at all. Uh, I know some people out there that are pretty strong on FAU under uh, as well, but I have not made that bet. So, uh, yeah, I got nothing right now in Conference USA. All right, let's go to return of the MAC here. And I'm going to be honest, I could make cases for three teams to win this conference. Um, it's really t Toledo central michigan and to be honest with you even northern illinois even though they're massively fraudulent last year but i chose one in a long shot instead i took i'm taking toledo over seven and a half wins minus 120 it's at eight at minus 110 now so i have some line value 
Uh, they're the unluckiest team, losing three games by three points or less. Massive 1.68 yards per play. Net yards per play, 1.68. And you're only seven and five. What the heck happened there? Sixth in EPA margin last year. I mean, the good news is they get Central Michigan at home this year. Very favorable schedule, minus one hard game at Ohio State. I think that over seven and a half is a breeze here. And they got Daquan Finn back, their quarterback. So I like that. Um, Northern, I took Northern Illinois over six and a half wins minus one fifty. Um, they're the luckiest team and they were literally negative 0.87 yards per play in 87th mm. in EPA. Just very Tell strange. Well, they busted my, me and your ticket last year, Chris, but here's, yes, the they did. I was so strong on the under for them. Oh. And just laughed at some of the way we lost some of those games. I know. I know. But I mean, they were their eighth in returning production. They return all those guys that kind of, you know, dug deep in the fourth quarter. And um, I, I just think 6.5 is a little too low. And they also have a very favorable schedule. They get Central Michigan and Toledo at home. So I think they get to seven wins, eight wins. Um, so I took that, and it's against my better judgment just because they're the team to fade. But the market adjusted a little bit, in my opinion, to that. So... We'll see what happens. And I, and here's the here's the crazy long shot I'm taking. I just took for some beer money Bowling Green to win the MAC. At- hey! hey, man, I, they were a very good ATS team last year, you know, mm-hmm. and I was surprised and I got them at 47 to one and now it's 25 to one. So plus 2,500 yeah. half star. Uh, it's a long shot. They, they Their schedule sucks because they get Toledo and Mich- West Central Michigan from the West. But hey, they beat Minnesota last year, played yep. played very close number one overall returning production team the mac is always a coin flip and a complete um grab out of a hat right like you were saying so i i I, i'm okay with bowling green now i missed the season win total i'm just happy with what what i have here so uh chris what about you yeah i I have not played anything uh in, in in the mac either normally i love finding some conference win totals uh, in the Mac, but I just haven't been able to do it this year for some reason. Uh, I know a couple of people that actually got the best numbers on Bowling Green uh, in terms of season win totals and are very high on Bowling Green and feel good about uh, about their position. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, I don't have much else for you other than that. Uh, and, again, this is a league that I kind of uh, uh, didn't really – dig deep with due to due to time constraints yeah, yeah and same year. with me with the aac and, and and i forgot to mention i took toledo at 400 to one or four to one basically it's now 3.8 to one to win the mac two so i'm just i'm you know toledo most likely but um you know i took a little bit of that of them and bowling green anything ralph yeah you know i normally skip the favorite and go to the second team to start looking for value but there's also times, guys, when there's value on the favorite. Toledo's the favorite to win the MAC, and I think at four to one, they're great value. You look, they're going to be favored in nine games by eight points or more. They have one game in Northern Illinois. They're going to lose the Ohio State game, and they have a toss-up against San Diego State. So this is one where I'm on the Rockets. I'm on the Rockets to win the MAC at four to one. I'm on the Rockets over eight wins, and my only other one is Buffalo under five and a half. I have them favored in four games. They only have two other games between the threes. I think the Bulls are going to struggle this year because you know what? You have an Akron team and a BG game where Buffalo used to have those wins. Mm-hmm. They may not be so close now. We'll see what Moorhead does with Akron. Yep. I mean, they brought in 13 transfers. But, again, when you have a team that's used to getting couple wins from the bottom feeders and now all of a sudden those are battles, 
those are the teams you look to fade. Yeah, I'm not so sure yet on Moorhead as a head coach, too. I liked him as a coordinator. Not 100% there yet. Uh, Mountain West, Chris, what, what about that conference? Mountain, Mountain West, I do have something for you here. Um, I took uh, Utah State under 7.5, and, and I think it's now 7. Uh, I think last year might have been a kind of perfect storm for uh, for the Aggies. I think I think oh, I'm sorry. I just had to laugh. I paused one bit. I, I just turned my head. I, I heard a noise downstairs, and I'm like, "What the hell is going on?" And I believe it was my cat who somehow found his way into the closet downstairs and pulled out. I just see him walking into our bedroom with his favorite toy. So after this podcast is done, I'm going to go downstairs and see if it, I heard a bang. And I'm like, I know something probably fell out of that downstairs closet. And he just walked into the bedroom where I, I see with him with this wire toy, kind of they drag it around. So I'm like, I, I can't wait to see this. Cause it, so sorry for the interjection. I think you had uh, Blake Anderson last year, bringing his quarterback, Logan Bonner, some other guys from Arkansas state. And, they were very, a very fortunate team last year in a sense that uh, no team won more games after trailing at halftime than Utah State. So they had some wins. And now you look at the way the schedule breaks. Like they add Alabama in the non-conference from an auto win last year. You lost to Boise State already. You, get, yes, you got Boise State. You got BYU. Uh, I wonder if like the second time around it's not going to be as easy for uh, for Utah State, so I took Utah State uh, under seven and a half, and I think it's now seven in most places. And I also uh, took Nevada under four and a half. The, the Wolfpack, uh, I think, are in a free fall. Uh, they hired a career assistant who laid higher, never been a head coach at, at this level. I, 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 I you lose guys to the transfer portal. You get guys kicked off the team. Uh, you're in a division with. With, with San Diego, San Diego State, Fresno State, who should be good, San Jose State should, should still be okay. Like, I don't know. I, I think four and a half for Utah for uh, for Nevada rather is a little high. So Utah State under, Nevada under for me in the Mountain West. Yeah, uh, Nevada for sure just took a beating <laughs> that happened. The coach left with all of the players. You know, went to Colorado State, which is a strange move. Um, kind of a horizontal move in a way i just was a little confused yeah. by that why do you know i didn't get any good information about it because maybe just kind of wanted to see the mountains better <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it's not like throw the ball over the mountains <laughs> yeah, there you go ralph you know i um i bet nevada four and a half i still think there's some value betting them under four and I took Air Force. I, I think Boise and Fresno, not in the value of getting two and a half to one to win. I took Air Force plus 450. They're plus 400 now. And I still think there's value because you get Boise at home and they only have UNLV prior. And when they go to Utah State, Utah State's off a BYU game, which we know, you know, being in that state is a big deal. So uh, Air Force to win, Nevada under. All right, so what I have is Fresno State over eight and a half wins. Minus 125, it's now minus 140. I think they're favored to win it all, aren't they, over Boise? I, I think last time I looked, they uh, were. Boise was the favorite at, at FanDuel by just 10, 20 cents. Okay. They're basically 
close. Very close. Jeff Tedford's back coaching. Jake Hayner's back at quarterback. Threw over 4,000 yard, yards last year. 33 touchdowns, you know. So I see maybe two losses. That performance that Hayner had last year against UCLA might have been like the best quarterback performance of the year when you factor in all of the hits that he took during that game. I remember getting home like well after midnight and getting home and turning that game on at home and like staying up until 2.33 in the morning uh, just to watch the end of it because it was an unbelievable game, uh, UCLA, Fresno State, and and how Hayner played in that game. And you know when they attacked the Pac-12, those first two games, or second or third game, Oregon State and USC, they're going to be remembering that they can beat the Pac-12 and very interesting. And I have them as probably losses there. But I just, if they get passed at Boise State, it's smooth sailing for this team. And they avoid Air Force and they avoid uh, Utah State this year, right? There's just no, every other game they're going to be a massive favorite in. Um, Maybe San Diego State will be a little bit closer, but there's been some people not so high on San Diego State this year. I just think over eight and a half should happen. And if they just get one of those games, Oregon State or USC, mm-hmm. I, I think that they should be going over. And I, to be honest with you, Chris, I disagree a little bit with the uh, Utah State. I kind of I kind of think okay. that they might be the next best team in the uh, Mountain West just because they re- they return all those uh, players and they finish the year great. And they, they beat Oregon State in their bowl game. And I know Oregon State, you know, we don't know how much motivation they had going to L.A. down there, but... Yeah, they they proved to me that they were pretty worthy. So um, we don't have much disagreement. So I'll just throw that out there. It's not like a bet the over on Utah State, but that's my thoughts with the Mountain Rest and yeah, Nevada. <clears throat> you know, it's funny. Everyone's so low on Nevada right now that I'm wondering if there's going to be a point where I have to buy on them. So I don't I don't know. Ralph still, still thinks seems to think the number's too high. So. We'll we'll wait on that one. Maybe 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 an ATS perspective with Nevada. Maybe they'll get way overblown from the market. So I'll be looking looking at that. Pac twelve. We have a very messy Pac twelve because obviously the big news with uh, USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten. Um, it's going to be a <laughs> crazy landscape with college football that's coming up this year. But I'll start with you, Ralph. What do you like in the Pac twelve? Well. I think USC deserves to be favored, but I can't bet them because of all the transfers. This is what we talked about. What changed this offseason, you know, with the transfers? USC brought in 19 transfers this year. So, uh, yes, I I power rated them number one, uh, but the only bet I made, Arizona State over six. I have them favored in nine games by five points or more. I have them favored in six games by eight or more. So when I'm looking at a total of six and in, in in six games, I have them favored by over a touchdown. It's an automatic play for me. So only one play, Arizona State over the total. May I see you, Chris? I did not play anything in, in, in the Pac-12 yet. I'm probably going to play Colorado under uh, just because I don't think they are going to be very good this year. I did play a week one game involving Colorado. I laid seven and a half uh, with TCU against uh, Colorado, realizing at the time that I was solely doing it, knowing that this number was probably going to hit nine, nine and a half, ten, and I think it's already up to eight and a half. So that's the only thing I have played uh, around the Pac-12. I have thought about playing uh, UCLA to win the Pac-12 at around eight or eight or nine to one, 
or so. Uh, my, my thinking there is if you look at UCLA's schedule, they should be 5-0 and when they host uh, Utah. Uh, they get an idle week, and then they go to Oregon. Uh, if, if they can get past that, you could be looking at a uh, – a situation where the, the, the Bruins will certainly control its destiny to get to the Pac-12 championship game. And look, they scored 60-something points in USC last year and uh, should be better offensively than they were a year ago. So um, the other the other interesting bet that you could potentially make uh, involves a long-term bet with Utah. I mean, maybe you want to bet them to win the national championship or reach the college football playoff. I think I saw at Westgate – there was 60 to 1 to win that win it all. Do I think Utah can win it all? No, I don't. But I think if you talk to most people, it's Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia for three spots already. One spot is still there. And then uh, if Utah happens to claim it and you're holding 60 to 1 to win it all, you might be able to get a couple of units back out of that. So, uh, again, I think the, the, the Pac 12 will be something that I'll monitor game by game and probably hop in on something Chris, during the year. You is 10 and 10 and a half, 10 and a half at both Cirque and Westgate already. So nice uh, way to jump on that value early. TCU is. Yeah. Wow. At Colorado. That is interesting. I, I can't like Colorado with that number. That's, I mean, just, they're going to the mountains there. Um, TCU brand new coach. Eh, I don't know. I'm, I'll look at that. Wait, one. you mean, you mean, you mean, you mean I can lay seven and a half and grab 10 and a half. What a wonderful world. That's a great, you're in a great situation, my man. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just going to make this short and sweet. I took UC, USC under nine and a half plus 120. It's now minus 110. Utah over eight and a half minus 125. It's at nine minus 125. Now, I mean, those were obvious to me. I made a couple, like a month and a half, two months ago. Um, I don't, I shouldn't have to, just the way Utah played in the, um, Rose Bowl without some of their cornerbacks against Ohio State should tell you everything you need to know. Uh, my dark horse to win the Pac-12 is Oregon State at plus four thousand. Now it's down. Now it's down to plus two thousand five hundred twenty-five to one. I played that for a star, and I and I took Utah to win the Pac-12 at a. Uh, plus 250 it's down to plus 240 i'm just fade usc and oklahoma even though they're kind of intertwined with the coaching movements i just have to go under on both these teams it's just too much uh uncertainty right now uh so sec i only did missouri under five and a half and yeah they have some easy games against la tech abilene christian and vanderbilt new mexico state that's four wins but I cannot find two wins to bust my ticket after that. They have it extremely hard. They're going to be massive dogs in the rest of their games. It's the SEC. We don't shouldn't have to say anything more about that. Um, I, I like the under five and a half, Chris, SEC. Well, I, I, look, I have no problem. And Ralph talked about how a half a game is worth 45 cents or so. I laid the $2 with... Georgia and Alabama to go over 10 and a half wins. Uh, I think that the odds of one of those teams going 10 and two or either of those teams going 10 or two are slim. Uh, I think at worst there are 11 and one and that, and that's why I had no problem laying the extra price uh, to win on 11 and one as to lay a little bit less and, and push on 11. So I took over on Georgia over on Alabama and I also took over six and a half by LSU, and I think most places have that number at seven now. But seven, I would still consider playing it uh, because I, I, while seven and five is probably the most likely uh, record for the Tigers, eight and four is possible. And, and LSU did not have a talent problem the last couple of years. LSU had a culture problem 
where you had guys holding themselves out for the draft, injured players, uh, Coach O, and all the issues he was having off the field. It was just a kind of a, a drama and a soap opera. Regardless of what you think about Brian Kelly, he's going to go in there and offer some stability, and I like the hire for Brian Kelly. Uh, LSU is going to have better talent when it sets foot on the field in a lot of those middling SEC-type games. Mm -hmm. And if you go back to Brian Kelly's last – I think it's like 45 games at Notre Dame, or 40 games. Like he was like 44 and one in games that he was favored. So like he wins when he's expected to win by the odds makers, they win. And I just have to trust that he'll continue that uh, at LSU. You bring in Jaden Daniels, a transfer from Arizona State. Uh, they'll get some other guys back in, in, in the portal this year and some other guys healthy. Like Keyshawn Boutte is obviously a great uh, wide receiver and, and the running game got going with Davis Price a couple times last year. So I'm a lot higher on LSU than I am a lot of other teams. So I have uh, three overs in the SEC, Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. All right, fair enough. Ralph? Pamela minus 145 to win the SEC. I agree with Chris. You know, for the people watching now, Bama's 10.5 is now 280, you know, at some places. So <laughs> people have continued to pound it. Talking about why, because Sharps don't mind betting 200 when there's value, even at that point. Uh, I will point out this, Chris's LSU, for a team that goes 6-7, and seven, to have a top-12 recruiting class and pick up a number-three set of transfers, they're number seven overall. They brought in 15 transfers, including their quarterback, with a top-12 recruiting class. I think they have a lot of love there. I'm betting Vandy under 2.5. Vandy goes to Hawaii, and then they host Elon, and yeah, they may be 2-0, and and you may be sweating two and a half wins the rest of the way, but I have them a double-digit favorite and an average favorite of over 20 in those SEC games. So if they beat Hawaii, I will uh, be sitting on it the rest of the year, sweating out one win, but I don't think I'm going to be sweating too much. So Bama to win the SEC, minus 145, and Vandy under two and a half wins. All right, Sunbelt. Where, where, where is Vandy's SEC win coming? I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, if you, yeah, you who, get, who are they? Who are they? Who are they going to be? Under point five conference wins is what you got to find. I have plus eleven and a half at home against South Carolina as the closest line game. Missouri, maybe I don't know. We'll see with Missouri. Um, I don't know what you have for that, but that's got to be. They're, they're on the road at Missouri. That's much different. Yeah, I have. A they are on the road. Okay. Missouri in that game. All right, Sun Belt. James Madison under six and a half wins. I took at plus one hundred. It's now minus one sixty. James Madison was a great FCS team, but lost a ton of production, and now they're in the Sun Belt. That we're, they're not going to get a warm welcome from these teams. They're, these teams, I don't care how bad you are in the Sun Belt, you're going to be gearing up to make you not look worse than this FCS team coming up. And they only play 11 games. 11 games this year. I will take the under six and a half. Ralph. Uh, my favorite play, I bet Marshall at five and a half. I bet Marshall at six. I bet Marshall at six and a half. And I still think there's value at Marshall at seven. Not as much value. I bet them plus 620 to win the conference. They're plus 550. I still think there's value. I think this team has an edge with people coming up to Marshall in, in the move to the di division. I actually power rated them higher than App State, so they're number, my number one power rated team. They're DBs. They have two all-conference cornerbacks, and they have two transfers that were FCS quality transfers that started a, com uh, a combined 58 games in their careers. A powerful, powerful defense. I am Green Herd fan this year. All right, Chris. 
Uh, I took Arkansas State under four and a half um, in here. I, I think you look at some of the games that they have uh, on the road and certainly in the non-conference uh, will be difficult. I think this is a team that takes a step back. So I took under four and a half on Arkansas State. And I also took uh, over five and a half on Southern Miss. I, I think Southern Miss is a team that last year had a lot of injury issues, uh, notably at quarterback and that and they were basically were playing like basically frank gore's son is like a wild card wild card what wild cat okay. offense <laughs> and, and like i i don't think that they're gonna have as bad of a injury type luck as they did uh, a, a year ago I, I think they'll be better i think obviously they go to miami but you got liberty coming in you got northwestern state coming in to open should be a good start you get arkansas state at home uh, you get South Alabama at home. You get Georgia State at home. You get Louisiana, uh, who is in in that division, who loses so much as well as their entire coaching staff. I think there's an opportunity for Southern Miss to get six wins and go to a bowl. All right, no, fair enough. Let's move on to Indi- just. I got nothing for the Independence, but Heisman Trophy. Like mm-hmm. I hinted before, and Brad Powers turned me on to this on this show. Devin Leary to win the Heisman at 150 to one. Now it's one. Now it's 50 to one. I mean, you look in a situation, just like you said, Ralph, you think this team could be a sleeper going to get in the playoffs. I kind of agree with you there. He was 66% last year, 35 to five TD to interception ratio that if they make the playoffs, Devin Leary is going to be at least in the conversation. They're making a trip, obviously in New York there. So, um, I, I like that play. And uh and, and you can of course make your Bryce Young and your Stroud arguments, and I have no disagreements with that. There's numbers are good, but what that's my thoughts. Uh Chris, what do you think? Uh I actually the only Heisman bet that I have made uh back in April, I got Will Anderson at forty to one uh to win the Heisman trophy. And I think last year he built up so much equity uh from college football fans, writers, Heisman voters that he's going to be in a, a little bit of a jump, a little bit of a, a nudge forward um, in, in terms of where he starts this year. Uh, I think that people may not want to vote Bryce Young again, uh, Heisman Trophy winner. Can Bryce Young approach the numbers that he had last year without all of those offensive weapons uh, that he had, including Jamison Williams? Uh, you bring in Jameer Gibbs, so maybe the hint is he'll have a little bit more of a running game uh, than this year. If Anderson has the type of year that he had last year, knowing that Aiden Hutchinson was runner-up last year in the Heisman voting, um, I think there's no reason why, why why Anderson can't win the Heisman. And I think if, the other issue, too, is you look at Ohio State, a lot of people want to make uh, J. Stroud the, star, the, the favorite. I, it, I think they're going to get a little bit of a, a split vote in Columbus, like the 2002 Miami team had all the, the split vote with, with Dorsey and McGahee and the guys there. Like You're going to get people who voted for Stroud. You're going to get people who may vote for Jackson Smith and Jigba. You may get people who are going to vote for Trayvon Henderson. Like I, I don't know if Stroud should be favored. Maybe ultimately he will be, but as a quarterback, maybe the most prolific offense in the country. But I think there's enough momentum and enough push out there from where we were last year with Will Anderson to have bet him at 40 to one. And those numbers are gone, gone. I think he's right around 25 to one now. Ralph. You know, excuse me. I did not bet anyone on the Heisman. Uh, when, when I looked at it, 
you know, uh, taking a wide receiver, you know, obviously is not one of the smartest things, but uh, I, I, I would look at Addison. I, I think that you have a team that, you know, people love USC, people love that offense getting back there, but not a bet I'd, not a bet I'd make. But if I had to throw a long shot into the mix, that would be mine. Well, Chris bet Waddle two years ago, and Smith got it because yeah. because Waddle got injured. So <laughs> we have to remind Chris about that. Um, hey, I, I appreciate that. You're, you're such a good friend. <laughs> you know what's funny well, about Ohio State and Stroud? I, that's why I took Ohio State on May first and tweeted out six to one plus six hundred to win the national championships. Let's face it; they're going to have an easier road than uh, Alabama and Georgia. Uh, if you want to get cute, they're going to have an easier road than. Oregon and USC and Oklahoma. I don't care. At six to one, there was tons of value. Now that thing's down to three to one, three and a half to one. Nah, I'd probably stay away at not right now. But this is why it's important to look at the situation early. Jim Knowles hopefully will turn uh, change this defense around. Best wide receiving core in football: Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr. So I had no problem making that play when I did, and there's some value there now. And if I have to hedge it, I'll wait to the final game. You know, I think if they're the number of one seed, they'll get the shitty number four seed, right? So that's the way I look at it. I'll tell you what, the, the players at Ohio State, you know, being from Cleveland, the players at Ohio State absolutely love, love Knowles. He's playing the four-two-five. He's got a lot of things he's changing. He's playing music in practice in the meetings, and the players are just, you know, you see all the fun the Detroit Lions are having. That's the type of defensive effort that the Buckeyes are having so far this spring. So, Pay attention to them against that Notre Dame game. They may have, you know, they've always had the talent. You look at the defensive linemen that have gotten drafted in the quarterbacks. Uh, the talent's there for Ohio State to be an elite defense. All right, fair enough. And Chris, did you make a bet on that? On um, on which one? Oh, national Play, playoffs or national championship? I uh, yes, I made I made one bet and well, two bets kind of, but they're really the same bet. I laid the 340 on the Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia versus the field because I can't make a case for any team out there to beat another one of those two teams twice. Okay. That's basically what what what, what you're going to You're going to need a team to get it at four and we beat one of those teams in the semi and the other team in, in, in the championship game. And I don't think right now there is a team out there who I can see doing that. And I also played... Uh, I parlay to, you can do this at DraftKings, I discovered, and it came out to like minus 125. I parlayed Alabama to win the SEC West, Georgia to win the SEC East, and Ohio State to win the the Big Ten East, and that came out to minus 125. So kind of, kind of, kind of the same the same big three, and that's where we are in college football. So, again, sometimes you don't need to overthink things and, and get really cute when the obvious it, – it's like it, it's like Occam's razor. Like it, it, sometimes the, uh, the answer is the most – logical conclusion and that's where we are with college football so if you're gonna if i if i can do it i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna try and take advantage of an opportunity where the most logical possible outcome most logical possible conclusion to be reached is is hopefully a winning one heavy chalk chris that's where we got here heavy that's chalk me chris coming on in hilarious man i and before we go i just want to say that i don't understand the minus two utah at florida i took it it's minus two and a half minus 120 right now it just makes no sense to me with everybody it stinks in a way this line kind of smells right um mm -hmm. and i i wonder if it smells in the right way which you would be on florida but no i took i took utah because i couldn't figure out any fathom possible way i don't what's their home field advantage 10 points i mean I took Utah and it's moving in my direction, but 
do I buy back if it gets past the three is a question because I'm missing something. What am I missing here, Chris? I, I think you're looking at maybe some, yeah, as we talked about, Utah is a very hot, trendy, uh, pub, public, public, public-ish team to uh, to get to the playoff potentially. I, I think what you need to realize as well, though, I mean, Utah going to Gainesville, Florida in early September where it's going to be 100 degrees probably plus with the heat index. Uh, can the Utes stand up to that? What mean? Can they defend Anthony Richardson uh, in, in whatever Billy and Abier and that team has to offer week one? I, I would think it's going to be a pretty one-sided uh, ticket count and money count on this game. I think the world is going to be on Utah. So if this thing hits three, Kiev, I, I would be a little bit uh, tempted to, ha- to have a little bit of a buyback. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's a smelly line. And it's, I just think there's, it's because of his SEC bias, but um, you have a new coach and I know Richardson, they call him big, like possible Cam Newton type, but this is brand new for them. It's, it's, it's does, it doesn't make sense to me, but maybe, but Utah away from home is different than Utah at home. So I'm going to keep that mm-hmm. in mind when it gets to three and hell, maybe, maybe that money will push it over the threshold and I can have a fat three. So uh, that'd be nice. Ralph. I do remember a couple years ago was one of my biggest bets of the year. He had Boise State with a rookie quarterback going into Florida State with the heat and humidity, and oh, my God, I was all (laughs) over Florida State in that one. And then the game got moved to Tallahassee because of the hurricane. And what happened? Uh, Welcome to the world, Brockmeyer. (laughs) It was I remember you're right. The only other I took a week zero play, Wyoming plus 10, because how the hell are you going to lay 10 points with Brett Bielema? Um, at Illinois and uh, it's not going to be a pretty game and Wyoming's just Wyoming they're minus six in my power ratings right and they're always going to be minus six in my power ratings or something you know six points below the average it's just that's what they are you know and yeah I don't have Illinois much higher than that so I don't know how the heck Illinois is getting all this love to be laying 10 points here but um, that's another one that I took on week zero any other plays guys I have one week zero uh I'm going to say this as well, better than the money line. New Mexico State plus 10 to beat Nevada. We already talked about the Wolfpack. What Jerry Kill did his first year as Northern Illinois, uh, I'm not a New Mexico State fan. Obviously, they've been treacherous, but I do respect the hell out of that coach, and I think this is the time to grab value, and I actually did bet some on the money line as well when they were uh, plus 11.5. I still think at double digits you're getting value. I'll write that down. Chris? Uh, I laid 4.5 with Houston uh, against UTSA. Um, we hit on UTSA earlier. Uh, we know how much we loved them last year. But again, they, we had a, a great record in close games. They, they lose uh, a bunch of guys, including their best running back, uh, Sincere McCormick. I, I don't know how much of a home field edge they're going to get in this game. I, I think Houston's defensive line will be the story of the game. So I laid, I laid four and a half with Houston uh, against UTSA in addition to the TC number that's long gone. All right. Well, love that, man. Great stuff, guys. Really appreciate it. We uh, covered everything we could. Can't wait to reconvene about some of these plays and some of the uh, things that we might owe each other a little bit uh, later in the season. So that's going to be fun. Um, Where can our listeners find your great information, Ralph, and all the plays that you release over at WagerTalk? WagerTalk.com. The shortcut is wt.buzz backslash rm. I still have an NFL preseason guide, an NFL schedule guide, and my college football schedule guide up there. Uh, and I'm excited. I'll be doing start charts this year for college football. I haven't been able to find them anywhere, 
We'll be able to see the continuity of offensive and defensive lines, and uh, that'll be wagertalk.com. Chris, when's your articles coming out? Uh, with Sanford Steve and I will have a podcast weekly now on Wednesday uh, out. We'll have our ESPN truck columns out every Thursday starting uh, with, with the regular season. Uh, Daily Wager, you, you know where to find me, and uh, on, on Twitter as well. So I, no, no, no shortage of, uh, of ways to uh, reach out and get in touch and pick my brain if you need to. Yeah, pick Chris's brain. Get his recipes as well. That was delicious. <laughs> that cheese ball, man. I absolutely loved it. Thanks again, guys, for coming on. Make sure you guys check out Chris and Ralph Michaels. All right, now it's time to talk a little UFC Marlon Vera versus Dominic Cruz. And I'm going to be quite honest with you. I'm actually looking more forward to the next week where we're going to get Usman fighting Edwards. I think that's going to be fantastic. Uh, Usman is a massive favorite. And obviously this is UFC 278 pay-per-view. I think there's more opportunity as well in this card rather than the uh, fight night card that we're going to talk about today. But I'm just going to tell you a little right now about Vera. He has just been fantastic lately. He had a event like this back in April against Rob Font. Rob Font outstruck him 273 to 167 strikes, but Vera beat the crap out of Rob Font pretty much. As a matter of fact, I thought that uh, Rob Font was going to get KO'd, but he actually made it through the whole fight, but he was beat up bad. I mean, his... uh, his face was pretty banged up after that. Vera just kind of came out of nowhere recently. He was good for a little bit, and then he regressed a little against Yadong Song back in 2020. He lost a decision, and then lost to Jose Aldo. Now, Jose Aldo's fighting next week, and uh, hmm, I'll give you a little hint about Jose Aldo. I might be on him next week. But uh, that's a completely fine loss. He beat Sean O'Malley, knocked him out. Everyone's on O'Malley lately uh, in 2020. Then he beat Frankie Edgar um, with a front kick. And then obviously was kind of beating up Font the whole fight. I actually thought Font wasn't going to even last uh, when I was watching this fight. But he is fighting a legit guy. 24-3 and Dominic Cruz. Now, Cruz... All of a sudden, pretty big dog right here. Uh, Cruz's only losses were, well, let's just say since 2007, his only losses were to Cody Garbrandt, which was a little surprising to me. Um, he beat Dillashaw in a split decision, and Dillashaw is a really good fighter. And then uh, Garbrandt is kind of tier two-ish to me. You know, he's, yeah. Garbrandt lost five of his last six fights, you know. So I scratched my head a little bit about that one, and that was a decision. And then all of a sudden, he fights Henry Cejudo, and he loses by getting actually kneed and punched, knocked out by Cejudo. I'm okay with that. Cejudo retired the champion um, when he beat Dominic Cruz. I was on Cejudo that night, actually. And uh, I remember watching at my buddy's house back in May of 2020, right when COVID was going on. It was kind of like UFC was the thing to watch. But uh, Cruz still a very good fighter. And then he got to bounce back. Uh, Cruz 
was able to finally get a fight uh, recently that he was able to win against a pretty good fighter, another tier two guy, Casey Kenny. Maybe Kenny is closer to tier. No, he's still tier two. He's a, a, a very good fighter, Casey Kenny, uh, but just not quite up where he needs to be a contender. And then he beat Pedro Moonholz, and uh, that was a decision. Now, Pedro Moonholz was good, 35 years old, but he's in the twilight of his career, too. Um, you know, he lost to Aljamain Sterling. He lost to Frankie Edgar, lost recently to Jose Aldo. You know, he's nothing special. But Vera, all of a sudden, kind of woke up and is able to have a lot more punch power. So he was minus 195, and I saw value in that one. But now he's way up to minus 240. So not a ton of value with that one uh, anymore. Not even sure if I'm going to use him in a parlay. And to be quite honest with you, um, Cruz is going to go for it. But and this is a five round fight, and but Cruz has lasted five rounds in the past. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, unless he gets popped like he did against Henry Cejudo, uh, I can see Vera just taking this to the decision. But I can also see uh, Vera winning in, within the distance. I believe decision is pretty high um, of a price, even after five rounds. It's still minus one sixty five, so heavily juiced for these fighters to go decision. So not nearly as much value, I think, at the minus 240 because I would say Vera has probably a 70% chance of winning, and that's around the minus 233 anyway, right? So I'm just not convinced it's for sure going to win this fight, but I liked it when it was under the minus 200 personally. So 70 75% chance maybe that Vera wins this fight. So last week... Before I get into our actual play we're giving out, we went four and two. We hit our second biggest play, which was battle inside the distance at plus 300. I thought that was an obvious one. I was asking people about it. Um, I stuck to my guns and I was like, I I'm taking this thing. And battle gave me the easiest no sweat kick to the head knockout with <laughs> within the first minute. And I was pretty I was pretty happy about that. But what sucked is I lost my biggest play against Luke. I had Luke as a three-star play. And even though I hit a bunch of dogs, was able to put us up 7.11 units, four and two that day, I would have been a lot better if uh, Luke won. And I just admit, I was on the wrong side. Uh, Luke was a guy that made me money in the past. And Neil, everything said fade him from his last two fights. But apparently the sepsis or whatever he had was real. And uh, Neil just became a much better fighter his last two fights and just I admit I got this one wrong and um wish I had it right but still this is why you bet a card and you look for value and if there's dogs worth betting uh then you should go for it because we hit a parlay and we hit uh three dogs that really helped us out last week but what we're going to go to is a dog in Devin Clark against uh Azamat Mirzakhanov okay so in this situation, Clark was plus 150, and I looked at this on Sunday, and I was like, this feels a little off. I kind of just did a quick handicap, not enough to bet, and I was like, meh, maybe I get a plus 160, and it, of course, went the direction away from me, so I grabbed this at plus 135. It is now mostly plus 130 in a lot of books. You know, what do I say in the UFC to everybody? What do I say? Well, 
if you listen to this podcast, you know that I say fade the hype. Okay. Sometimes you got to fade the hype coming in to uh, these big events. All right. And just because a guy is undefeated doesn't mean he faced nearly the strength of schedule that uh, that you're actually looking at for this fighter. Devin Clark has had faced very good fighters. Okay. Devin Clark is 13 and six. He beat William Knight his uh, last fight in uh, April of 2016. I thought that was a really good job that he did there. He somehow lost by decision to Ion Cudabella and Anthony Smith. He lost uh, via triangle choke. Okay. Uh, but he beat Alonzo Menafield before that. Menafield was beating him up pretty good, and he kind of stayed up and uh, ended up just beating the crap out of a very gassed Menafield in the third round. Uh, he fought Ryan Spawn, lost to Spawn, uh, beat Darko Stosik back in 2019. He's fought in Alexander Rakic. He lost that one, but that's a fine loss. You know, he fought Jean Blakovich. All right. Now let's look at Azamat. And see what the heck he's done. He beat Te- uh, Tefan Nechukwi. And I don't want to destroy his name. But that was really the best fighter. And Tefan was winning that whole fight. Until the third round where he decided to kind of just go face to face with him. And then just kind of like a bunch of bums before that. In the Contender Series. Um, in the Brave. And don't get me wrong. I'm sure he earned his way up. But Clark has been through it. And getting Clark against this guy at plus money, who's beaten some real fighters, right? Manifield, William Knight, you know? Mike Rodriguez? Mike Rodriguez is good. (laughs) I think you're getting a bargain here. So we took him at the plus 135 for... we We took this for one star. I'm not completely convinced, and that's just why I don't love this card so much. And I'm just going to give you one more play here on the card that's very obvious to me. And um, it should be obvious to the way I bet MMA when you kind of see what I'm doing here. I'm going to go back to Fight Center here. It is Gerald Mearshart, okay, versus Bruno Silva. All right, here's the thing. Silva's minus 310. Mearshart is minus plus two fifty. Mearshart can sub people. All right, that's that's what he does. When he wins, he subs people. All right. Well, the, the secret to this one is you look at this fight going the distance. It is like massive plus money. The fight doesn't go the distance is minus four hundred, which pretty much tells you that these middleweight guys at one eighty five are not going to go the distance. Mearshart. His last three wins are all subs, all right? All subs. He gets knocked out all the freaking time, all right? This is simple here. Bet Mearshart plus 550 by submission for a third of a unit, and you bet Bruno Silva, who pretty much only beats people by KOing them at minus 155, okay? And, uh, I just don't see Bruno Silva doing any sort of submission move against Mearshart. He's probably not even going to want to go to the ground against Mearshart. All right. Now, Silva, his last two losses, one was decision against Alex Pereira, right? Great fighter. And then uh, he lost by submission back in 2016. 
So uh, his last two losses before that, way back in 2012, he hasn't fought a ton the last 10 years, um, all submissions. So Mearshart might be able to be sneaky and get a submission, but you also should bet your 1.25 units on Bruno Silva by KO at minus 155. So no matter what happens, you're going to make a half a unit here. All right. Instead of like laying minus 400, you're more laying blended odds of probably minus 250, minus 300 to win a half unit in this situation. Because what you're really betting is like 1.63 units to win a half unit, right? So that's really where you're at when it comes to this fight. It's just a very easy way that I like to uh, sneak some money from the prop market rather than looking at the uh, full way of either getting going to the distance or not. My friends, if you have any questions about the UFC or anything we discussed, feel free to tweet us at the Odds Breakers. A huge thank you to our guests, Ralph Michaels and Chris Felica. I hope you enjoy all the games this weekend. Enjoy the fights and go get some winners. <laughs>